Let me see, making sure the mic. Alright, cool. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yannis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. This is the show where we democratize the film criticism conversation by talking to fans and critics alike, having a different guest on every episode to talk about one of their favorite films, something they grew up with, something they really admire, or something that just emotionally connects with them. However, this week we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. I, I think it's fair if I allow myself every 10 to 15 episodes, uh, just an, uh, an episode to just do a little bit of a solo show and uh, either introduce a new uh, side format into the rotation or just to have a venue for me to just talk about whatever in pop culture that I want to get to or test something out. So in this episode, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be running down a, a little bit of a preview of the films to come in March of 2019. Uh, I used to write a weekly column, or my monthly column rather, uh, for ScreenRant.com, talking about movies we're looking forward to. And I've really been looking for a way for this podcast to address films that are either currently in theaters or about to come out. And I don't want to just go into, you know, normal um normal routine of, of uh, reviewing whatever the biggest release is that in any given week. I've done that plenty in the past. If you listen to our archives, this is episode like 105 of the Crooked Table podcast. So there's plenty to go back and listen to uh, if you want more of that kind of thing. I, I like the idea of having a rotating slot of guests talking about films from the past, but I also want this to feel like relevant content for people now. And so I thought that having uh, a place to talk about just some of the films that I'm most looking forward to in the month ahead, whether you hear this on Odyssey, uh, O-D-Y-S-Y-1.com, or you go directly to the Crooked Table podcast feed, where whether I will make this a recurring thing or not, I guess kind of just depends on the response I get to this episode. Um, so you'll either hear it on Odyssey or uh, see it on the podcast feed if it continues one way or another. So uh, keep your eyes on both, I guess. Tuning in here uh, on Odyssey at Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, or just subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to the podcast, as we say at the end of every episode. So now let's just delve into some of the movies coming out in March. Um, January and February, I honestly haven't really seen that many theatrical films, um, mostly because I've been working on this podcast or tending to other projects. And January and February, just for the most part, with the exception of movies like Glass or Lego Movie or Alita, uh, tend to just be not not really the best place for uh, either studio, you know, uh, tentpole fair, or really indies. It's really kind of a, usually a time for me to catch up on Oscar movies that I hadn't seen. Hence, you know, the holiday binge in December. Uh, was my kind of my attempt at getting a little bit ahead of the January February catch up season for me. So March is really kind of is really kicking off uh, what I think is starting to be a, an influx of both small and large scale films uh, that I that I'm looking forward to. I think I have a lot a easier time coming up with this list uh, in the months to come. April, May, June, also kind of stacked in different uh, in different regards. But as for March, there's a bunch of films, a bunch of slates on, a bunch of films on the slate for release as far as, uh, you know, coming up to theaters and or streaming. 
But um, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to bring up, bring back a recurring segment on the Crooked Table podcast. Of all those movies coming out in March, let's talk about six. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about flicks and me. Let's talk about what the good films and the bad films are to me. Let's talk about six. Let's talk about six. All right, coming in at number six. And I want to I wanna stress before we really get into this, that I'm not necessarily talking about uh, what are what are obviously going to be the best movies of of the March 2019. I haven't seen them yet. Uh, don't let uh, don't let Rotten Tomatoes and its weird ranking system, which they now finally changed. I can also comment on that because again, it's relevant to uh, to now and the current moment and news cycle today. Um, but these are the ones that I'm most interested slash intrigued by uh, going into the weeks ahead. And whether or not they they end up reflecting uh, that anticipation, or whether or not films that I'm not really super aware of, there's a few on the on the schedule that I, I was I'm kind of uh, have heard about, have heard a little murmurings about uh, the Wedding Guest and the Hummingbird Project and things like that. But they're smaller releases that are either in super limited release at this point, or that I don't really know enough about to really start to get excited about them. So, moving into number six, I have five feet apart so why is this on this list this is from director justin baldoni it's uh, according to imdb a pair of teenagers with life-threatening illnesses meet in a hospital and fall in love that sounds to me like a fault in our stars uh take or rip off if you want to go that way however what what really intrigues me about this is the stars um this is headlined by Haley lou richardson who i think has been really uh really strong in, in a bunch of movies including um uh, support the girls edge of 17 i uh, i really like her her especially support the girls i think she's a really strong up-and-coming actress and i'd love to see her get more leading roles so it's exciting that uh she's finally getting that chance in a, in a, a little i guess a little bit more mainstream film this one has has a uh, has a wide release scheduled for march 15th so uh hopefully it'll lead up to that plus if you listen if you're a longtime fan of the cricket table podcast you know that I am a fan of Riverdale on CW, and we have Cole Sprouse in here as the uh, the other half of the the romantic coupling at the center of this film. So, uh, not super well versed in in what what the uh, the filmmakers are involved in. In fact, I think Justin Baldoni is relatively new to this kind of thing. Um, but I I am intrigued to see those stars in this kind of film, uh, whether or not it just feels completely derivative or whether Haley Lou Richardson and Cole Sprouse can actually bring something unique to it and, and make it interesting uh, remains to be seen, but it's definitely one that I'm, uh, I'm curious in learning more about and uh, hopefully, hopefully being uh, at least satisfied by on some level. Number five, we have Dumbo. Now, again, I said this is not necessarily the films that I am uh, optimistic about. <laughs> These are... This is a uh, more likely a rundown of the films that I am curious to see how how they're going to turn out. Um, as a longtime Tim Burton fan or a former fan, I guess I should say, uh, you know, going back to Beetlejuice and obviously the, for his two Batman's, Edward Scissorhands, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, even uh, all the way kind of up to Sweeney Todd in varying degrees, uh, which I love. I love Sweeney Todd. I think that's a tremendous movie. Um, I, I've always been interested in following Tim Burton's career, really fell off 
for me a bit with Alice in Wonderland, which I don't think is nearly as terrible as most people think. I do think it's a severely flawed film and uh, was the beginning of an increasing downswing for him. Uh, the only one I haven't seen actually is Big Eyes, which I, I intend on catching up with. Um, if you're listening to, if you like movies and podcasts and you're listening to this, obviously you, you probably do. Uh, I would definitely check out Blank Check with Griffin and David. They're doing a Tim Burton uh, miniseries going through his filmography leading up to, uh, to Dumbo. Um, so I'm going to be catching up with Big Eyes in anticipation of that. But these Disney live action remakes, I think for the most part have been pretty solid. I I still haven't caught Maleficent, and I guess they have a sequel coming soon, so I will probably do that at some point. But I really like The Jungle Book. I actually think it's better than the animated film. Um, I thought his... uh, I thought the the Cinderella that... uh, I believe that was Kenneth Branagh that Kenneth Branagh put out in 2015. I thought that was a really strong entry into this uh, phase of the Disney cycle as far as recycling um you know recycling their classic films or remaking them in live action and i'm hopeful that the lion king will will follow suit with the jungle book and that you know john favreau and similar technology and that kind of thing so i hope with that that'll be better than the beauty and the beast one uh, the aladdin one the less i say about that right now the better because oh man uh that that, that teaser trailer was uh, very rough um so dumbo i think you know, the animated film is very sparse as far as plot is concerned. I, I believe it clocks in at just over an hour. Um, so, you know, there's not, there's a lot of room for for the screenwriters to expand on this. I don't know. It, it looks like the film actually has a runtime of two hours and 10 minutes. I don't know why they needed to make it like, you know, more of an epic length almost um, for this kind of story, at least like double the, the runtime of the original. Uh, and I'm a little concerned that it focuses so much on the human characters. It's like the anti-Lion King and that the original animated classic deals with uh, animals and deals with, you know, no, no human characters uh, principally. But, um, you know, here they're just focusing so much on, on the humans that uh, I worry that they're going to the story is going to be more about Colin Farrell's character, Eva Green's character, Michael Keaton's character, Danny DeVito's character and less on Dumbo. Um you know, but that being said, like I said there there's there's no story really in the original Dumbo. He gets taken away and then he gets out and he flies because he's got giant ears and that's that's kind of that's kind of Dumbo. Um the big thing in this I think is baby mine and seeing how they're going to how they're going to work that uh, unforgettable song that just hearing in the trailer makes me kind of well up um so i'm i'm curious to see how it pans out i'm not necessarily i don't necessarily think it's going to be amazing but i um i'm definitely on board as a burton uh, as someone well versed in the films of of tim burton as someone well versed in the disney catalog and uh has something in in stake at stake as far as how this film turns out. I'm definitely curious to see if it, uh, which side it ends up falling on of the live action Disney, uh, <laughs> this, this period that they're really focused on going back to literally everything. Um, not sure if that's going to work with films like Hunchback and things like that, but you know, we'll, one thing at a time this, this month we're working on Dumbo coming in at number four. I have a film, the film Greta by director Neil Jordan. This one actually comes out March 1st. Um, so if you're listening to this on the Crooked Table podcast feed, it's 
might be already out in in uh, your area. It's in limited release right now, or entering it, depending again when you're listening to this. Um, so this is from Daniel, Neil Jordan. He's the director behind films like the uh, the Crying Game, Interview with a Vampire. Uh, those are probably, I guess probably his biggest ones. It's been a while since he's last one I saw of his was probably the Brave one, uh, the 2007 uh, thriller with Jodie Foster. And what really gets me interested in this film, aside from the fact that Neil Jordan has made some really solid films, although they were, you know, a couple decades ago, um, is the the cast, Isabelle Huppert and Chloe Grace Moretz, Michael Monroe. So I'm, I particularly want to see the the chemistry on screen between Isabelle Huppert and Chloe Grace Moretz. According to IMDb, this film is about a young woman befriends a lonely widow who's harboring a dark and deadly agenda towards her. So I've seen very mixed things on film Twitter. Uh, I've seen some people that really love this one and others that, uh, you know, really disappointed by Jordan's continuing non-cultural relevance, I guess. And um, I, it's described as sort of a horror thriller type, uh, type of film. Um, definitely interested to see what that's also, that all is about. And, you know, whenever I hear my other critics talking about something i'm always wanting to put my two cents in so it's could be interesting to see whether jordan can do something uh do something here that's really uh, takes advantages of these advantage of these two two actresses and their talent um it supposedly has very positive reviews generally although it hasn't quite been what i've seen um and it did premiere at toronto international film festival last fall so um, you know, a lot of promise here. Um, whether or not it pans out, we'll we'll find out soon enough. Coming in at number three, I have Triple Frontier. This is uh, actually hitting limited release on March sixth, and then we'll be going to Netflix on March thirteenth. And this is in uh, an action film directed by J.C. Chandor. Um, and it stars Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, Oscar Isaac, Garrett Hedlund. It's a really b- very manly uh, cast. And this follows five former Special Forces operatives reuniting to plan a heist in a sparsely populated multi-border zone of South America. So I'm not super... I'm not super optimistic about whether this film will be good. I did quite like uh, let's a most violent year, which is the last JC Chandor film. Um, his name is got like does not work with my braces for some reason. Uh, and yes, I have braces. If you haven't listened to uh, to the Cricket Table podcast episode about the Oscars, I think that was the first one that I did with them on. Um, so that uh, you know that cast definitely gets your attention and uh, especially Oscar Isaac I think he's had he has pretty impeccable taste with a lot of roles that he picks whether the films don't whether the films work or not is not entirely up to him but uh, I think he does he always brings something interesting to whatever films he's in um, also you know I think this will be first Af- Affleck's first post Batman retirement role um, so I want to see where where it goes there so um, the fact that it's going to be on Netflix and easily accessible, I mean, I, I'm probably going to check it out simply based on that. Uh, it also looks like Mark Bowl, who uh, who's has a story and a screenplay credit here. Um, he's the the writer that worked on. Oh, is he the writer or director or both? I think both. 
Yeah, he's the writer and, not director, sorry, he's the writer and producer of uh, Catherine Bigelow films, The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, and Detroit. So I, I think, you know, he brings a certain weight to the material as well, since it's dealing with uh, the military, you know, sort of on omission and that kind of thing. So um, definitely curious to see whether Triple Frontier ends up being one of those Netflix films that everyone is talking about justifiably, or uh, it's kind of those flash in the pan. It's hard to tell these days with streaming uh, content. It just it seems like every week you're hearing about a bird box or something like that. So uh, or a Bandersnatch, which was an interesting experience. But you know, I digress. On to number two because it, this was a this was a tough one because these both of these films I'm really excited to see, but ultimately I had to go the way I I ended up going here. Uh, so at number two I have Captain Marvel. This is, of course, the latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This one's directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Of course, stars Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, who becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. So we're finally going to see the Kree and Skrull conflict brought to life on the big screen. Um, of course, this is a period piece set in the 90s that ties into the post credit scene of uh, Avengers Infinity War. Um, keying up Captain Marvel's appearance in Avengers Endgame, and likely that will be a game-changing uh, addition to the roster that will uh, essentially undo the snap, I guess, or or somehow bring everybody back to life. And uh, I'm definitely, as a longtime Marvel movie fan, going back to Blade and X Men when they're not even in the MCU at that at back then. Uh, I, you know, I have all the MCU movies on Blu-ray and I'm a huge fan of all these films, even when they're not, even when they're not amazing, they're usually solid. I'd say the only two, three, okay. The only three that I would justifiably call not great movies are Iron Man 2, Thor, the Dark World and the Incredible Hulk. All the other ones I think are 3.5 and above, um, as far as my rating system, which you'll hear about in the next segment on uh, this podcast, if you're listening to it on Odyssey, if you're listening to it in the Crooked Table podcast feed, go back and listen to uh, to hear you know what uh, what my thought process is as far as rating films. But um, I, I think the MCU has there. It's the world's most successful film franchise for a reason, and it's that they know how to maintain that that standard. That the whether you know is is there a Marvel formula? Of course there is. But I do think that the the potential for Captain Marvel to be not only the first female-led MCU installment, the first co-directed by a female film in the franchise, but also be one of those uh, those films that immediately shuts the haters up and kind of a and a, a landmark entry into superhero canon, but especially in the MCU. I think the fact that it's in the 90s makes it a lot a lot more likely that it can do that because it's not specifically tied to everything else. It doesn't have to really tease too much, except that we know Carol Danvers and Nick Fury work together and we have some appearances from you know people like Ronan the Accuser um, that were players in the uh, Kree-Skrull conflict at some point. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's the story, and this is a, a new character for the films, and one that mainstream audiences probably are not that familiar with. So, uh, I think they have a lot of leeway to establish something great here in the way that they did last year with uh, Black Panther, and um, I, I, I'm very excited to see whether that turns out uh, as well as 
a lot of the fans are hoping and uh, well enough to shut up a lot of the the whiny babies on the internet who are blasting this uh, this film with reviews on Rotten Tomatoes or just kind of hating on it because they're bringing their own personal biases to uh, to a female-led superhero film. So uh, all that garbage aside, I think that uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this. Brie Larson's a tremendous actress, uh, Oscar winner, in fact, and uh, I think that she's going to bring her A-game here and... Uh, most likely this will be, this will be, it'll be another banner year for Marvel between this Avengers and uh, Spider-Man. So definitely hyped to see that. And we'll probably have a, a special episode of the Cricket Table podcast in which I can discuss Captain Marvel either by myself or with Kai. I haven't decided the details of that yet, but, um, definitely stay tuned to that either on, uh, the Cricket Table podcast feed or on Odyssey. Coming in at number one. I was intrigued about this film just because of the pedigree and the people involved, but then I went to see Alita Battle Angel and the trailer, which I was kind of trying to avoid just because I wanted to go in as unsullied as possible, played right before it, and I recognized what it was, and I had to give myself over to the experience of watching the trailer. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. And we kill them. Man, now I'm super hyped. So I'm talking about Us, the new film from writer-director Jordan Peele, of course, of Get Out fame. And uh, this one, according to IMDb, is about a family serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begin to terrorize them. If you don't want to know anything else or don't want to have any of the twists spoiled, I would just move on from here. Needless to say, this, this is... Well, definitely, I think, going to be the horror trailer of the year. Uh, last year, I'd say it was probably Hereditary. And then the year before that was Get Out. So uh, I was 100% invested in this. This looks really freaky and filled with terrifying images and has a cast that includes Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o and as Elizabeth Moss. I think that it's the trailer's use of I've Got I Got Five on it is is amazing and maybe you want to listen to that song immediately after I watch it. It just has such a tension and really giving these actors who worked together previously in Black Panther um, a wholly different material to work from. It looks very original in a lot of ways just because um, it has the poss- possibility of bringing an interesting subtext to the kind of home invasion uh, subgenre that it looks like this is at least at the outset uh, emulating. So I 100% am uh, confident in Jordan Peele's ability to um, to execute his vision here. I think he proved in Get Out, which one of the best first features that I've ever seen, without a doubt. Um, I think he proved that he he's easily one of the one of the most exciting filmmakers working today. Uh, and I would be super shocked if Us is not uh, an incredible horror experience and i can't wait to see it in theater with a packed crowd and uh hopefully it'll have that that uh that just that that special something that made films like get out 
uh, so memorable and so resonant. And who knows if things go right, we might even see Jordan Peele gracing the Academy Award stage once again uh, in you know in the next year. So there you go. That are those are the six films for uh, March 2019 that I'm most excited personally or curious about checking out. Um, let me know on Twitter at Crooked Table what you're most excited to see. And I'll try and make this a recurring thing going forward, doing April and, and then onwards. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little K-E-D. 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 K-